Good day to you, Isaiah Hole, your man on the ground here. I am the publisher of Wolverine's Wire, USA Today Sports Media Group, Michigan site, and I am also your host of the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, I am one day into this week, one day, and we are already going to get to my airing of grievances. That's going to be the whole show today. Airing of grievances, because there's just so much that has happened in the last day. I understand, day or two, with Northwestern and Michigan being close after all of us said it was going to be a romp, a feel-good time. Michigan was going to jump out to a big win, and it didn't happen that way, and therefore, people went nuts. Now... Not you, listeners of this here esteemed program. You weren't the ones who went nuts. I think you guys kept level-headed, right? I hope. If you're listening to the things that I have to say and you're reading the things I have to write, you probably are, I at least hope you're approaching things with a level head. But there are plenty who aren't. Plenty who are still freaking out. So, we're going to talk about some of those things. It's going to be the whole show. And we'll get into it. But first, I'm a pretty spontaneous guy. Uh, Went and saw Metallica last year. They came around. I was at Detroit Cast Tech. I was interviewing some guys over there, uh, seeing what was up with their class with uh, Lou Nichols and uh, I think DeAndre Square was already gone. But I was talking to Coach Wilcher and some of those guys up there. Metallica was playing across the street, and I'm like, you know what? I have to go to that. I grew up a giant Metallica fan guitarist I grew up playing Metallica I haven't I've only seen them once back in like 1996 so it's 98 anyway I did so I did that all the time always constantly just deciding to go to something last possible second and you know who can help you out with that vivid seats with vivid seats you can attend that concert that show that sporting event of your choice at a great price Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and the row of your choice, which is super important to me personally. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off of orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store, go to Google Play, and download the Vivid Seats app. And use promo code Locked On for $20 off of orders of $200 or more. Every single purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so you don't have to worry about being scammed or anything like that. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theaters and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off of orders of $200 or more. All right. So, the first thing that happened that made it so I started having grievances. I wasn't the only one that has grievances here, by the way. Because if you're around on Sunday... You went onto the site, Wolverine's Wire, then you probably saw one of the handful of articles I typed up after I got back from Chicago that early that afternoon. And one of them was about David Long, cornerback for Michigan. So David Long, to me, from what I've seen on the field, has been Michigan's best cornerback for the entire season through five games. This includes Northwestern. But... He had, Northwestern, he had a little bit more trouble. 
in that game than he normally had, which is going to happen from game to game, guys. I don't know if you turn turn on the NFL, guys. Sometimes that we're locked down in college, end up facing a better receiver, and things change. So David Long had had a couple plays that people didn't like. He had a couple penalties as well. He had two penalties in the game, defensive holding. One being in the end zone, which I actually thought was a smart play. Because, granted, Northwestern scored like three plays later, but David Long doesn't hold doesn't hold him at six. You hold him. Yeah, you, they get another shot at the end zone, but you've got a chance to stop him. So I thought it was a smart play. But people were coming at him, which doesn't make any sense to me. They, Michigan won the game. I understand it was close against, a, again, we need to get over this perceived inferior opponent stuff. Just because you think a team isn't very good and Michigan should destroy them doesn't mean that that that's the case. You've seen Michigan go out and destroy teams. They've destroyed three so far. They've lost one game and they had a close win against another. So you know they know what it takes to go out and absolutely demolish a team. So every now and again, you're going to have a tight game. You've got uh, every single, you know, you're Michigan. You're, you, every single team that you play is going to get up for that game. You're not Northwestern. You think Michigan players woke up in the morning and was like, man, I've been looking forward to this Northwestern game all year. No. Guess what Northwestern was thinking? We have a chance to take down Michigan. That's a, that's a resume changer. Michigan takes down Northwestern. It does nothing. So people targeted David Long, and he responded. He said, if you've never played man-to-man, speaking about the, the coverage, they don't play zone, they play man-to-man press coverage, which is much more difficult. Please refrain from making comments about secondary play. Second, if you can't check me, please refrain from giving your hot take as well. I think he's spot on because, uh, again, people do not understand how much Michigan is asking from their cornerbacks, number one. How amazing they are at doing what they do, number two. Number three, you targeted the guy that's had, like, no problems. Now, I don't think you should target any of the three. Lavert Hill, Brandon Watson being the other two. If anyone's had the, had the most trouble this season, it's Levert. And Levert's my guy. He's another... I mean, I've known him and David Long for a long time. Since before they got to Michigan. But Levert more so. Because he played at Cass Tech and King. So I've been down there. Covered him in high school. David Long I didn't start to get to know until Army All-American week. Before he committed to Michigan. But nonetheless... That said, cornerbacks have not been the issue for Michigan defensively. Michigan has had some lapses. I think that's the best thing that you can say about it. Sorry, worst thing you can say about it. It's the worst thing you can say. They've had some lapses. They've targeted the safeties. Sometimes that group's getting beaten up. But most of the time, they've still been okay. The safeties had a not good game this last game and they were targeted frequently 
by Clayton Thorson. And guess what happened? Safeties got better in the second half. Because of the way Michigan plays defense with Don Brown's aggressive style, it all works in concert. The safeties don't have to be game breakers as long as you're getting defensive pressure up front. But they countered by doing short intermediate passes in the middle. And it made it so the safeties had a rough game until Michigan found a counter up front. And then they weren't able to make those short and intermediate passes with ease anymore. Just how it goes. So, I digress here. Now, for all the people complaining about the defense, which of which there are a ton, unfortunately. Michigan currently has the number one defense in the entire country. The entire country. The number one defense. They're allowing 236 yards a game right now. Michigan was third last year and allowed 271 yards a game. They were first in 2016 and allowed 261 yards a game. They were fourth in 2015 and allowed 280 yards a game. Allowing 50 yards less than that. They're allowing 30 yards less than what they allowed when they had the nation's best in 2016, Don Brown's first year. So maybe, just maybe, they're doing some things right. Well, who have they played? (laughs) Asked the person who's freaking out still. They've, They've played nobody. Well, they played Notre Dame, who isn't nobody. No, they didn't win the game. They still held Notre Dame to 300 yards. They they played Western Michigan, who was lighting everybody up, not named Michigan. I know Western Michigan lost to Syracuse. Syracuse almost beat Clemson. Western Michigan and Syracuse had a shootout. Michigan annihilated Western Michigan. John Wasink has been throwing everywhere. SMU can put up some points. Nebraska can run the ball. Michigan took all of those things away. Northwestern? Well, they were passing the ball all over us. Northwestern finished the game with 202 yards. Total. Who has Alabama played, by the way? If if you said Alabama's the number one defense in the country, you'd be like, yeah, that's just what they do. Zero ranked teams. Two of those teams are Arkansas State and Louisiana Lafayette. Michigan hasn't played anyone at that level of cupcake. Clemson is like fourth. I think Alabama, by the way, is like 20th defensive-wise. Clemson played Furman and Georgia Southern amongst theirs. They're, They're like fourth. Both Alabama and Clemson play Texas A&M, and currently Texas A&M is unranked. I think Notre Dame is better than Texas A&M right now. Look at Georgia. Georgia's another one that you'd be like, well, whatever. Georgia played Austin P and Middle Tennessee State. You kidding me? Everyone has played cupcakes. Michigan has, like, SMU is not a very good team, but SMU was in a game with TCU. SMU was not in a game with Michigan. That game was over before the half. When it was 
right at the half, that game was over. SMU was not going to win that game. Everyone's played cupcakes. Now, Michigan, on top of it all, has the fourth best pass defense in the country. 146 yards a game. Last year, Michigan had the best pass defense in the entire country and was allowing 150. So I understand. We haven't gotten to Ohio State. We haven't gotten to Penn State. And we'll revisit all of that once we get to the end of the season. But you can only play, you can't just say all of a sudden, Michigan, you're going to play Penn State. Or, you know, you were supposed to play Northwestern. We're going to make those stats against Penn State. It doesn't work that way. So they're doing a phenomenal job keeping people under the average of what they kept teams last year. I mean, you look back last year, some of the teams that they faced, there was only a couple games where they allowed like no one to pass. Air Force, which doesn't pass the ball, they made nine attempts. Minnesota made 12 attempts for 74 yards, held Michigan State to under 100 yards. Otherwise, we're pretty much right on here. Cincinnati, 132 yards. Purdue, 159 yards. They let Penn State pass for 282. Let South Carolina pass for 239. Yards per attempt, they averaged 5.9 yards per pass last year. This year, they're allowing 5.1. That's what you need to know. All right. So that's it for the passing game stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be all I got right now. Yeah, the schedule is coming up. Wisconsin's 96th in passing. Michigan State 51st. Penn State 53rd. So far, Michigan's faced the 65th best. The Western Michigan was the 28th best. Northwestern was the 40th best. So that's what you got. All right, coming up next, I got more grievances. We're going to get into those. Fantasy football is underway. We have two fantasy football shows to help you out. Locked on Fantasy Football 24-7 gives you all the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. Locked on Fantasy Football is now live with amazing guests every single Monday, uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Tom Kessenick was yesterday. Today, Eric Edholm joins. Wednesday, they got Jeff Ritliff and Tyler Lochner. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we're back and we are going to talk more of my grievances and how things could be worse for all of you who suddenly have seemingly forgotten how things could get worse. We're going to talk about that right now, actually, about how things can get worse. So anyway... The last couple days, and I feel like I feel like most of the people who have been feeling this what certain kind of way have like calmed down, for the most part. But I've seen some other people who are generally very cool headed, very like level headed, 
kind of lose their minds here and there. And I don't understand it. So it started off being with, I started seeing on uh, our Wolverine's Wire Facebook page some, it's it's time to fire Harbaugh yesterday. Part of it was based off of his comments about Maryland. And if you didn't hear, this is this full quote. This is what he had to say. He said, Mondays, your confidence is not real high on a Monday. If you look at your opponent and watch what they do well. That's why you watch the tape and you put your game plan in. Get a little bit more on Tuesday, a little bit more on Wednesday. Hopefully by Thursday or Friday, we'll think we have a chance. That's usually the way your level of confidence grows as you prepare, as you put your plan together and practice. I understand that, okay, he was talking about Maryland, but he was talking generally. He, he had, before that quote, he was talking about, like, wow, Maryland's got a really good defense. And then after after he finished, as you put your plan together in practice, after that he was like, yeah, real, real good team Maryland's got. But he's speaking generally. This is how he feels in general. He's speaking in generalities. He's not saying, like, Monday we looked at them and we're feeling terrible. Tuesday, tomorrow we're not going to feel very good. Wednesday we're hoping we feel okay. Thursday and Friday, we're still not really sure, but we, you know, we think Maryland's really that good. And he's saying that about every team. If you treat teams with the respect they deserve, then that's kind of what happens. So you get people that see that mixed with eight and five last year, and all of the they listen too much to Paul Feinbaum and Mike Valeni, who tell them that Harbaugh is terrible and don't listen to Pro Football Focus or, um. Like the, you know, the, the Fremo, the Keith, I think it's not Keith, the, you know, FPI, Fremo Index, and uh, all of those types of things, advanced statistics, Bill Connolly, they'll all tell you Jim Harbaugh is an amazing coach. Listen to Joel Klatt, a guy who's played quarterback, he's a color analyst. I mean, you could, Kirk Herbstreet would likely tell you the same thing that Joel Klatt does. Jim Harbaugh is right for Michigan. He's got Michigan heading in the correct direction. I think there's still that skewed idea because you went from 10 and 3 to 8 and 5 that you're heading backwards despite the fact you lost the entire team. Then there's all those dumb Michigan State and Ohio State talking points that come up where you say, well, well, Harbaugh can't win with his own players. Like this is like the first year that they have his players and upperclassmen like the bulk of them. Now they're juniors. A lot of the team is juniors. Last year it was his own players, but they're all sophomores and freshmen. And then, like, a handful of juniors and seniors. Like, talking, like, four total. Mike McRae, Mo Hurst, Patrick Kugler, Mason Cole. And they aren't, those weren't even all players he already had. Now it's 4-1 and one with his team. And the team that went 10-3, and three, that was literally inches away from a college football playoff, the ones that weren't his team and whatever, those were all seniors as well. You know what they did when they were sophomores? Went five and seven. It just get out of here with that stuff. Absurd. Harbaugh is thirty-two and twelve at Michigan so far, having had thirteen games, thirteen games, thirteen games, and five. Brady Hoke, same amount of t- same amount of games, four games worse. 
28 and 16. And I, I, you would think it would be a little bit worse. But you have to keep in mind, it got way worse. Harbaugh went 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 8 and 5, and whatever they go this year. Brady Hoke went 11 and 2, better than what Harbaugh did, period. But at the same time, I don't think that team was as good as Harbaugh's 2016 team. Then 11 and 2, and then 8 and 5, 7 and 6, and finished off year four, 5 and 7. Michigan's not going 5 and 7 this year, guys. Already got four wins. They're not just going to win one more and then ride off into the sunset. And even if they did finish five and seven, you know what? Harbaugh still would have a better record than Brady Hoke in four years. The reason why I bring that up is that was some of the things that I've been seeing. Like, well, the last guy was just as good. Why do we even get rid of him if this is who we've got? Guys, when it's said and done, most likely Harbaugh is going to have another five or six wins on that, where Brady Hoke only got another two. So, like, it's a huge difference. A huge difference. Ten wins, ten wins, eight wins compared to 11 wins, eight wins, seven wins, five wins. Seriously. I don't We're talking about the guy who got shut out by Notre Dame. The guy who wasn't competitive with Utah. The guy who struggled against Akron and Yukon. Who also had close wins against Northwestern. A not as good Northwestern team as Northwestern has been. I know what Northwestern's record is this year. They still won 10 games last year. We're talking about that guy. Now when Michigan lines up against an Akron or a UConn. I think SMU is just as good as UConn was that year. 48 to 20. People still complain. People still bitch about it. Akron. Wasn't as good as the Western Michigan team Michigan just faced. That Akron team did not win. I don't think they. I think they went like three. Got like three wins that year or something like that. Western Michigan. Has won. Three, all every single game is played after it lost to Michigan. Three games, and it's done so in a pretty convincing fashion. Michigan is clowning teams that used to play it close, and y'all out there that want to complain, take a look at it and say we want to go back. This is some BS. Absurd. I don't. I don't understand you. I don't want to understand you. Like, can't have some joy in your life <laughs> somewhere in your life. I don't know. All right. Lockdown Network is expanding with college shows. We launched Lockdown the Buckeyes, Lockdown Seminoles, uh, Lockdown the Ducks, Nittany Lions, Bears, Crimson Tide, Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and Cougars. Find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Coming up next, more of my grievances. But lastly, we're going to talk about the offensive line. All right, we are back. Now, the most annoying part for me personally, because when you have a job like this now, it is a dream. I I won't lie to you about that. The fact that I get to 
write about football, talk about football, do everything that, that I get to do. It's amazing. No, it's not amazing, though, is people will challenge you in ways that are just kind of obnoxious. Like you live your whole life studying these things and then you'll get some fly by night person that sees what they want to see and will tell you how wrong you are with everything. It's really, I mean, I understand. I'm not always right. I definitely am not. I'll be one of the first to tell you when I am not right. But at the same time, a lot of the people that correct you don't know what they're talking about. It's like the people who have been saying that Shea Patterson should be benched in favor of Dylan McCaffrey because Dylan McCaffrey just has that it factor that Shea doesn't have. Get out of here with that. Honestly, when it comes to any personnel, anything, get out of here with any of it. You think those coaches do not know who they should be playing? That is the most absurd thing. I like you think people who not only know football, but whose livelihood is dependent on having a winning record on the football field. You think that they they are just putting someone in because of politics? Get out of here with that. That's absurd. Last year, the first four games, first couple games, all I heard when I was working at 24-7 Sports from everyone on our board was, it's time to take Wilton Spade out and see what John O'Korn can do. Guess what? You got your wish. And how did that go for you? Went good in one game, but only one. Did not go good for the rest of the season. A healthy Wilton Spate probably beats Ohio State and Michigan State. But, you know, whatever. You guys know best. Those of you who were saying that. So the new the new Niveau thing, which, by the way, last year at that time I kept on saying the issue is the offensive line. And everyone said, no, the issue is the quarterback. Said it over and over and over and over again. The offensive line is why the quarterback position doesn't look as good as it did a year ago because Wilton Spate had no time to throw, but he at least could go through his progressions. John O'Korn also had no time to throw, could not go through his progressions. This year, offensively, it's just that Michigan is, it's not that they're struggling. They might have games in which they struggle like this last year. Sorry, this last game. But it isn't because the offensive line hasn't been good. It isn't because Shea Patterson hasn't been good or the run game. It's because Michigan is... It's more of a play-calling thing, and I don't even think that's a bad thing. I think it's they're trying to figure some things out, what they can do well, what they what they can't do well. It's early in the season. It's gonna, you're going to have... They're not going to come firing out, out on all cylinders. I'm not saying the offensive line is the best. That's the one thing I got accused of a lot yesterday. Okay, you take your number one in the country offensive line. Not saying that. I'm just saying it's improved. It is no longer a doormat. It's no longer 
a glaring weakness. It might still be a weakness when we get down down to it. I don't know. But in every game since Notre Dame, that offensive line has looked pretty dang good. So they're allowing 1.6 sacks per game now compared to 2.7. So they've cut it essentially in half. And on top of that, like the sack that happened against Northwestern is what we call a coverage sack, which means it isn't on the offensive line. It means Shea dropped back, was looking downfield, no one was open, had to keep looking downfield, keep looking downfield, and then get sacked. The offensive line held for its five seconds, four or five seconds, but there was no one open downfield. Shea Patterson, it's essentially, it's not on Shea necessarily, except unless he, no, he should get rid of the ball, but nonetheless, that's what we call a coverage sack. It's not on the offensive line. But yet, you know, it's it's just absurd to me that people are are watching. I I just feel people don't watch the games. That's one of the things I've talked to the colleague my colleagues before. It's like feel like people watch the games, but they're not actually watching the games, right? The run game's gotten better. Without having Ty Isaac, who, by the way, through the first couple games was really amazing. 5.2 yards per carry this year so far compared to 4.3. If the, the thing with that is, last year you had Ty Isaac. He was really good in the first few games. Higdon came on stronger later. Chris Evans was strong in some of them. Game four, particularly. But if you think that, like, Michigan is able to, the, the Michigan's passing the ball and they're doing an okay pa- job passing the ball, right now they're averaging 8.1 yards per attempt. Last year, total, it was 6.4. The only game that they had a couple games that were pretty good in there. Florida and Purdue, but otherwise 7.6, 7.3, 5.7 yards per attempt in those other games. So clearly things are better passing, running. And if you think that that's just strictly because Haran Higdon is that good and Shea Patterson is that good, which yes, they are good, but the reasons are is because Shea Patterson can drop back and pass. He has the time to. He's told you that every time, every chance that he can. And the offensive line can block and allow Karan Higdon to make something happen. If you're not noticing that it's the offensive line that's making that happen, you're just seeing what you want to see. And you, I guarantee you were one of those people that sat there and said that Wilton Spate was the problem when he wasn't. On top of all of that, from 101st last year to currently being 53rd in tackles for loss allowed. From 6 a game to 5 a game, which actually is a big difference. Might not seem like much. Every team Michigan was playing was having a career day to that point. Cincinnati got pressure. They didn't get home. But Wilton had to force everything. Air Force had its best day of the year. Air Force did not come in with a solid defense and made they look like the Michigan defense against Michigan's offense. Purdue killed your quarterback. So, it, this revisionist history 
by people where they feel like they've been watching this offensive line. Now, I get it. There's probably some out there that are still criticizing it that were doing so last year. But the vast majority of the people who were very loudly and angrily arguing were not people arguing last year about the offensive line. It was taking these giant Q&As on 24-7, and everyone was like, when's our quarterback going to be better? You need a better offensive line, I told you. This is not the offensive line now. This isn't the 97 offensive line either. But they are far from the worst that we've seen in the last 10 years. This line is serviceable with the opportunity to be very good because we've seen pretty good and it seems to be getting better week by week. All right. Of course, the show runs long as it always does. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to you about what the players were saying about Maryland. We've got them tonight at media availability. We're going to talk about it. For the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at On Wolverines, Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're online at Wolverines Wire, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day.